Welcome everybody to the Diecast Movie Podcast. For this episode, we have a special interview brought to you by my dad. Take it away, Dad. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast, and we'll be doing the interview with Martin Beswick in just a minute. I just want to remind everybody that Monster Bash is coming up later in June, and we have a little promo for it from Ron Adams and the guys. So we're going to listen to it now, then we're going to go straight into the interview with Martin. Hope everybody has a good time. The greatest classic monster conference ever, Monster Bash, is happening June 24th, 25th, and 26th at the Marriott Pittsburgh North, nestled in the beautiful green hills north of the city. Vendors of classic monster merchandise will be featured with over a hundred tables of fantastic collectibles. Find the stuff your mom threw out years ago. Guests of honor at Monster Bash that you can meet and get autographs from include Hammer's Caroline Monroe, the son of John Wayne, actor Patrick Wayne, the cast from the 1970s TV show Land of the Lost, Wesley Ewer, Kathy Cloman, and even a slee stack. Plus, Beverly Washburn from Spider Baby, One Step Beyond, and Old Yeller. Pittsburgh special effects wizard, actor, and director Tom Savini. Jeremy Ambler from TV's The Walking Dead. John Russo from the original Night of the Living Dead. And TV horror host Son of Ghoul, Drac, and Countess Corita, Mr. Lobo, and more. Over 1,000 fans of classic monster movies, just like you, will call Monster Bash home this June. A film fest, question and answer sessions with the stars, wall-to-wall vendors, and all the classic monster excitement you can take. Go to monsterbash.us now for details. That's monsterbash.us. And join fans from across the country. It's the Monster Bash. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast. And today I'm joined with Martine Beswick who's known for James Bond movies like From Russia With Love, Thunderball, Hammer movies like One Million Years B.C., Prehistoric Women, and, of course, Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. And a lot of people <laughs> recently have come to the attention of Martine Beswick with House of the Gorgon, and there's tons of other credits. How are you doing today, Ms. Beswick? I'm doing just fine. Just fine, thank you. It's lovely to be talking to you today. Oh, it's, it's the pleasure is all mine. It's just wonderful to be talking with you. I've met you a couple times at conventions, one at Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention in Maryland, and the other time up in Monster Bash. And it's a pleasure to always meet oh, you. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm, I'm very happy to, to be talking to you today. Oh, excellent. And before we get into your career and everything, you grew up in Jamaica for most of your childhood. What was it like growing up in Jamaica? Well, it was the first. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, I actually had a really, I had a very cool childhood because my fabulous grandfather on my mother's side had wonderful estates that my cousins and I were free to roam and to play in. And my grandfather was beloved by everyone. I mean, he was just, he was fantastic. I loved him too. We all loved him. We all loved him. And there were gatherings every week, every Sunday, and then there were weekends. And I, it was a, when I think back to my childhood, I feel like it was idyllic. 
really, really. Mm-hmm. But I was only there till, the, till I was 12 years old. And then my mother decided that her two princesses should come to the mother country and, um, and be, you know, properly educated. But what we realized when we got here was that actually this, my schooling in Jamaica was better <laughs> than England. Well, the thing was that basically the schooling here was going to be free and there you had to pay. But at the same time, it was much better schooling there, really. And because it was a high school. and yeah. Anyway, so I, then I spent five years in London. And that changed my entire life. And in what ways did it change your life, those, those five years in London? Well, it, it, first of all, it opened my eyes to, you know, another world. I mean, I had never seen, I'd never seen, I'd never been to a cinema. Mm-hmm. Really? I had never seen, the only, the only films I saw were the films that my divine um, auntie, who was just a fabulous woman, my mother's sister, there were seven of them, by the way. My grandfather had seven children. Okay. And very close. Family was really, really close. And she would put on, she would bring in uh, things like, um, not Chaplin, the other one, um, Abbott and Costello and all of these kind of like things. And we'd have the picture show in the backyard under the mango trees. So that was really, that was really good. That was my first, that was how I saw film. And then it wasn't until I came to the, to England that I actually saw television. I didn't even know what it was. I mean, that, I, it was completely new to me. And of course, when I first got here, television was basically staring at the, <laughs> staring at the black and white, at the black and white thing that says, we will be on in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Or, you know, or at, you know, nine o'clock, good night. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Because, you know, but it was, you know, I finally saw television. So and that opened up. But at the same time, you know, being in a city and, you know, and basically I wanted always to be an actress. I don't know where that came from, seeing as I'd never seen movies. Um, it you know, suddenly it was, there was, there are possibilities. However, my mother decided at this point, I mean, after five years of dealing with, you know, a rambunctious couple of teenagers, she decided that it was time to go back to her family and get some support. Um, so we spent, she, we went back and I spent two years in Jamaica and literally I did not want to leave and I did not want I really did not want to be back in Jamaica and I could hardly wait to get back to London. So that's what I finally did, but it took me a couple of years. It took me a couple of years. So that, that was my first, my childhood into my teenage years. I mean, because a lot of people don't realize that you can have so much fun and enjoy things back in the days before TV, before movies, or without well, all the stuff there with your imagination. I think that's where you probably your acting came in was with your friends and your family. Just probably you didn't know, but you were acting and doing different roles, and and, and that's how you came into that love. Well, actually, we used to put on shows. My cousins and I would put on these shows and all invite all the um, all the neighbors. 
And it, they were hilarious, absolutely hilarious, because we did all the things that we weren't supposed to do, like, you know, talk patois. <laughs> and we weren't supposed, we were supposed to speak, you know, proper English. And, of course, the minute we started doing these shows, these sort of like little playlets, we started doing, you know, but wait a minute, is what happening to you? And then they'd go, oh, God, no, stop that. <laughs> we immediately started doing the patois and we weren't supposed to. Um, the other thing, too, that I used to do, because I desperately wanted to do uh, ballet when I saw this class that was happening. And so I did ballet for a little bit. And so, but then I didn't, you know, I, I was a little tall and my feet were too big. So I didn't continue. However, I did continue at home. And I used to put on these shows, my poor mother. You know, there she is on her veranda with her lovely tea ladies. They're all having lovely tea and they're having a nice gossip. And I would put on the music and come out and, you know, and perform for them. And they'd pay me to go. <laughs> <laughs> because I kept on going. <laughs> and then my sister and I used to do these sort of like, you know, um, we'd, we'd do them together. And they'd pay us to leave. <laughs> because we couldn't stop. Yeah, but it was, we did. We had, we had, I, uh, we had a lot, and my cousins were li- really like my brothers because we all lived very close to each other, and it was a- we accessed it was easy to access everything. My grandfather lived in the middle with this great house, and then the, my cousins were on one side, and we were on the other side, and we just kind of the minute we came home from school, we leapt around and climbed trees and played, you know, all sorts of games, and um, it was just. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Had a fabulous childhood. It, it, it sounds like it. It sounds like it was um for you probably the perfect childhood. <laughs> oh, fabulous! Really fabulous. And, and I'll I say- got a bit of a whacking. I got a whack every now and again, but that was how it was at those days. You know, if you behave badly, you know, good whacking that would take care of it. <laughs> oh yes, but it never. But I knew it was. That's what it was. I mean, it never. This never hung on to me after, because as far as I was concerned, that's just the way it was. You know, if you behave badly, you're going to get a good smack. Mm-hmm. Well, so don't behave with, badly. I grew up in those times. Did you too. grow up with that too? Yeah, where where yes. it was um, if you if you if you behave beyond a certain point, you you your dad's coming home and you're gonna um, um suffer some. Um, Wait till your dad gets home, right? <laughs> yes, and and that kind of and if, and I remember. I never did this, thankfully, but my one of my brothers said something to my mom, and he got a smack right across the face, and I just remember you could see the mark, and it was like, yep, you don't say that to mom. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, so you kind of, you know, I kind of understood it, and it was fine. It was fine. It never hung on to me, like people say, well, I was beaten when I was a child. So what the, I mean, I'm sorry. In those days, that's what happened. And in fact, I really think that sometimes these kids today, they need a damn good smack. <laughs> Except not right now, because God, it's really bad right now. Oh, Lord. I mean, we can't even go there. <gasps> yeah, we're, we're not going oh, to head to that. We're not going to go to current times, because... Um, oh, my God, it's just horrible, horrible, horrible. There's nothing to... Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's okay. nothing, it's nothing good to say about this. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. 
I mean, if it's not one thing, I mean, it's like from one thing to another and above all and beyond all and everything, we've got climate change, which now they say is even worse than we thought. Of course, it's horrible. You know, and I hear these children, I think, what is going to happen to these children? So let's not go any further with that. Let's talk about joy and fun and stuff. And I'll say, <laughs> exactly. And one of the things I noticed with your love of dancing in a lot of your movies mm. You end up dancing somewhere, and it seems like in, in, in most of these films that I watched of yours. And I'm not sure if that was because of script or because you talked to the director or a little bit of both, but it was just. No, it was script. It was script. And it's interesting because, I mean, there are two things that I did in several movies, and I became known as Battling Beswick. Battling Beswick? I was fighting. Battling Beswick. Yeah. Battling Desert because I thought the first one was, you know, Russia with Love. Then it was One Million Years BC. Then it was Prehistoric Women. I mean, you know, I mean, Battling Beswick, that was my title because I was, oh, she's at it again. <laughs> <laughs> and then in between that and then dancing. I mean, it was it was really interesting. Yeah, and it was all in the script. Well, I, I think one of those things, some certain people get typecast in certain ways. And I guess in your typecasting was she can, she can fight, she can dance and it got your roles. So you can't argue. Exactly. Exactly. And you got to work with what I agree with most people is probably the greatest and not, I'm not going to say probably the, the greatest, the definitive bond. Absolutely. Sean Connery. I mean, it's just, what was uh -huh. it like working with Sean Connery for two different movies? Well, it was interesting because, I mean, it was, um, we, it was in, immediate. There was an immediate sort of mischief between us. And it had nothing to do with, because obviously, you know, scandal was that, you know, he sort of, you know, he had some of his leading ladies and his leading ladies had him and, you know, not with me. With me, it was it was just mischief. I mean, we were very mischievous, and we had a good laugh. And I mean, and the perfect photograph that says it all is we're both we're working. I am sitting in my swimsuit in, the, in my bikini, mm -hmm. it's like you know, in a bikini, and he's sitting in his swimsuit, and I'm sitting on his lap. I mean, basically naked, you know. And I'm sitting on his lap, and we're having a chat, and I've got a cigarette in one hand, and we're having a chat, and we're having a laugh. That is exactly, and I sat, and I looked at him, and I thought, <laughs> I mean, that could have been, you know, thought of as quite rude. Because, I mean, really, I was just sitting on his lap with no, hardly, hardly any clothes on. Now, both of us. But it wasn't, and it's the same thing, because the first photograph that we took, the first when I did um, Rush With Love, the first photograph is him standing behind me with the gun and me in front, and I'm now like 21, I think, or 22. And there is a look on both of our faces that sort of says, listen, oh, don't miss. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, you know, I mean, I mean, I was really young and I had no idea, you know, I mean, basically... And he just started. I mean, he's already, he was already sort of the bond. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But it was it was it was really interesting. I mean, you've probably seen the photograph because it's quite it's it's quite a famous photograph. And the the other one was me in the boat with him. Yeah, I mean that sort of rapport that we had. We had a rapport. We did, and I used to hang out. And but it was Terence Young that was my best friend. Terence was my best of best. I loved Terence, but he was like the daddy to us all, mm-hmm. and he encouraged us to be actually quite naughty. <laughs> <laughs> Except that every time we stepped over the mark, you'd go, now, children, that's enough. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So it was, yeah. So I, I actually really, now, I also knew that, you know, there were things about Sean that were apparently something to do with, you know, the women. Um, but for me, it wasn't about that. Sean and I were, were pals. We were friends. And I actually loved his wife at the time. Angelendo. I wanted to be her when I grew up, basically. She was fantastic. I think she was probably she was probably too bold and wild for him, really. You know, she was not she was not having any don't you mess with me. She was that she was amazing woman. Amazing. She used to tell the most hilarious um stories. You know, we'd all go to dinner and she'd tell these like really raunchy stories and we'd all be laughing hysterically. I loved her. I loved her. And she was kind of, she was gorgeous and sexy and naughty and yeah, loved her. And so it was her that I loved more than him. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it, you know, because um, it sounds like she was the life of the party. Oh, she was fabulous. She was fabulous. But then Terrence was the daddy of us always. You know, he was brilliant. Now, from Russia with Love, you had the fight scene between the two gypsy women that wanted to, um, that had to fight in order to get the, I think it was the chieftain's son, you know, to, to be to, mm-hmm. to marry and stuff like that. And that was just, I had my money on you. I was like, okay, yeah, Martine's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, She's going to take her and that kind of stuff. But you, you guys really went into it, went at it. I mean, was there, was that all acting or was, was there any, um, problems with between the two of you at all well we rehearsed we we actually rehearsed it was like choreographed for like three weeks we did this daily i mean it was major work um and of course because i was a dancer and because i moved i mean i was a i loved to dance and i mean i i literally when i wasn't working i literally danced from you know 10 o'clock at night to like five o'clock in the morning that i i was a I was well known to be this mad, wild dancer. I mean, I would literally go out on the floor and dance by myself. I mean, so much so that I used to get free uh, membership at all the clubs that opened because I was sort of like a, you know, I was entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> so when it came to doing the, the doing the fight, I mean, it was you know, I was I was in great shape and I moved well. I, you know, I've said this many times. I mean, Elisa Gurr, we kind of got on because we had to, but she was not my sister. I Basically, she's the only one that I've worked with that I can count as not my sister because all my girls, all my beautiful women that I work with, they're my sisters. 
she was gone. End of story. <laughs> well, not everybody can be, not everybody can get along. And I think in some ways that might've helped with the fight to make it a little more um, um, realistic in, in some ways. So sometimes it, it works to an well, advantage. The thing, is that we had, well, the thing was that we had to do it because, I mean, the reason why we had to rehearse so much is because how Terrence wanted to shoot it with a handheld camera so he could really go in close on us, mm -hmm. which was a brilliant. This is why it was such a great fight because he really, his direction of it was fantastic. But, so we did have to stick to the choreography. However, every now and again, you know, because I, she, she was not very popular with everyone. Um, and so every now and again, they, they would kind of go, oh, I'm not here. Go on. Go on. Dicker. <laughs> <laughs> they would kind of encourage me. But I can't. I'm not that kind of person. I mean, basically, if I had, I would have probably knocked her flat. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's not, it's not in my nature to sort of really beat somebody up. You know, except if I have to. Yeah. I would. You know, yeah. So, yeah. Now, also, you were supposed to film that in Turkey, but they, they switched that up on you guys, if I remember right, that scene. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. I had my everything, passport, all, everyone was ready to go. And then they said, no, we're doing it on the back lot. I was really pissed off. Because <laughs> you always think James Bond, everything's always done at all these exotic locations. That's one of the reasons James Bond films have been so popular is especially back in the day, because people were seeing these other spots for the first time. Now with the internet, it's a little mm -hmm. different, but it's, you know, but back in the sixties, this was your chance to see Turkey. This is your chance to see Spain or Jamaica or wherever they were going for their films. And then they do it on the back a lot. You know, you're like, yeah. I know. <laughs> well, I think that also had to do with Pedro Amadeus because he was ill. He was not well. I think there was something going on that thing because he had cancer mm. and I didn't know that at the time. So I think there was a, something happening. That's why. So, but it's interesting because actually what is funny because you, and, and actors will say this. One of the things when we're cast for something, no matter who it is, we go, so where are we going? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, yes, yes, the script is very important, but we all, all want to know where we're shooting. Where are we going next? There's been many an actor I've heard stories where they, they said, why did you take that role? Because I was going to here, and I get to spend six exactly. weeks there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, and we're not ashamed to say, <laughs> because we went, ooh, how fabulous, let's go. Yeah, because some of them would say, like, you know, because some of the movies end up needing not that great. That's why they ask them, why did you do it? It's like, oh, I read the script, but uh, six weeks in Spain or six weeks in uh, Jamaica or six weeks here or there, um, I'm going for it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And um, what was it like working with Pedro or, or Mines? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, well, it's, not really, because I really didn't work with him. I mean, he was there, but I didn't really work with him. I mean, basically, I mean, it was really about, you know, Elisa and myself doing the fight. And also there were other actors. There was, what's his name? Francis Wolf. He was this big, he was like the gypsy chief. And he was really, he was hilarious. Um, and Pedro was very, a very lovely gentleman. But it wasn't, I mean, I wasn't really working with them. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it was only Sean that I worked with. 
So, yeah. And um, Thunderball, you got to go back home. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't home. Well, not home, but it's back to your, you know, back to, you know, because you had to play an island girl. My corner. I'm back to my corner. Yeah, back, back to your, <laughs> back to, back to where you started roughly, you know, in that, in that ge- yeah. geographic area. Yeah. I mean, it was two months in Nassau. Not bad. Not bad at all. And we had an absolute, we worked really hard, but we actually had a lot of fun. And in fact, that's one of the things that I loved about being an actress because there was also, no matter how hard you worked and sometimes things didn't work out and sometimes, you know, stuff went on, there was always a sense of fun. And I don't know if that exists right now. I mean, that's why I love Gorgon. I mean, I don't want to work with anybody else because this was a family. You know, we were a family. Mm-hmm. So I, and, and that, and in a way, when I worked, when, whoever I worked with, it became sort of a family, even if it was television for a week or 10 days. So I just, um, you know, I got, I kind of lost the passion after it started getting really speedy and, you know, let's get it done. You can't, and you can't do this. I mean, and the thing actually probably did not help was doing, I did a few soaps in America. And I hated them, absolutely hated them. They were so awful, awful. The, the whole surroundings, I mean, and the whole sort of fear thing. I mean, it was just really awful. So I think, you know, I mean, I am so glad to have had the career that I've had. I mean, yes, if I'd, you know, if I'd push a little harder and maybe even hadn't gone to the casting couch, but that is never going to happen. Um, I might have, you know, I might have been a, a huge star, but I'm a cult, cult figure, so it's fine. Well, to me, you're a big star, so I don't care what other people think. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I know there's at least one other person who probably even puts you as a higher star, and that's we'll get to in a little bit with Joshua Kennedy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you did, I, I didn't realize this till I was prepping to do this interview with you, that you were in... Italian westerns, yeah, a bullet for the general and John the Bastard. And um, what what memories do you have of those those films? Well, John the Bastard was sort of like it was John Richardson who was the star, who was my man. Right, so I just had I was sort of like you know the the poor female who killed herself. You know, it was, it was not exactly yeah you know, yeah one of my greatest things. Um, but um, Tian Sabe or A Bullet to the General was pretty fantastic. I mean, it was three months in Almeria and three months on a horse when I, of course, lied about the fact that I could ride, as all actors do. <laughs> oh, can you ride? Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, yes, of course. And then, and then there's the rush to learn how to do this. <laughs> Which is what, which is when I, and in fact, it was funny because both John and I were going off to do, um, to do um, different westerns. He was going to be in Madrid. I was going to be in Almeria. And, and both of us had not ridden. Well, we'd ridden, you know, maybe when we were little kids. And we lied, both of us. And so we had to go, we went to Hyde Park and went on these horses in 
English saddles. Well, I mean, we were so sore. I can't tell you. It was just, I mean, horrid. And we didn't know how we were going to do this because, I mean, basically, we were going to be on a horse for the whole time in, 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 in Italy. I mean, in Spain. And it was it was very funny actually because we were literally we were so sore we got off we we got off the horses and and we had to do it every day because what were we going to do? So, but by the time we got to to Spain, luckily I mean I'd learned enough and then it was a Western saddle. It was like going from you know a little little tiny piece of leather that literally, you know, bounced me all over the horse to a, an armchair. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what a Western saddle was like. You just sat right in it. It was fabulous. The only trouble is, if you got caught out, you could kind of hit yourself on the thing that came out. Oh, that's not all go there. No, no, sorry. Didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> could damage yourself very, very badly if the horse decides to kick him. But yeah, so I it was it was a terrific it was really and the and the actors because I was the only woman. I actually really enjoyed it and I loved the director Damiano Damiano. He was really fantastic, and actually I loved um, I, the actors were fabulous, really fabulous, really. I loved doing it. It was a really fantastic uh, western. But then I did this. Uh, I was going to say, for listeners who haven't seen what? it, you, you get to play this this tough female character who um, does espionage, does gunfights. You know, you're you are you are like in the middle of it, and you are your own person. And you, and technically, you call out the leads, you know, for being what they are in, in the film. So, you, you, I mean, it's just it's just a great film. Obviously, it plays to all your strengths. And yeah, it was really except when I fell in love. With the wrong person, <laughs> yeah. so the, the, the female thing comes in and falls in love with this little white boy. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it seems uh, always in that in that person. Of course, everybody was. Well, you didn't fall in love with as much as the um, as um. I'm I'm probably going to butcher the name, but you, you can help me out. Jean Marie Voltaire. John Marie John Maria Volante. Yeah, Volante. Yeah, he's terrific actor. Terrific actors. I mean, really, I mean, fantastic. I, I mean, I was surrounded by really, really, you know, Klaus Kinski, who I thought was just, I mean, Klaus was bloody mad, just crazy, but I loved him. But then I heard that he was really, he was quite a nasty kind of character, in other words. And mm-hmm. I, but yeah, I loved him. I thought he was really, really great. Learned a lot from him, actually. Yeah, I think I think they cast him well as being the um, the fanatic of the rebellion, and it, it, found, mm-hmm. it, kind of, it kind of fit perfect with him. And um, and and Jean Marie, it's just I've never seen him in Clint Eastwood movies, and it, his whole character is just I don't know. He he was just amazing in the film. He's it, it's it's his he is. film. They're they're <laughs> really fabulous. Yeah, really fabulous, really fabulous. But listeners, if you haven't seen it, a bullet for the general. You should see it. It's out there. It's 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 excellent. <laughs> now, you started also around this time working for Hammer. Mm-hmm. 
And um, again, with John Richardson, I don't know why you two keep popping up together. Who can figure that out? But, you know. <laughs> why what? Sorry. John Richardson, you know, because the, the two of you were um, an item back in that time. Oh, serious item. We were together for seven years. And and if, everybody kept thinking that I, that we were married. No, we never got married because marriage was not on my I, I never wanted to get married. I was very happy to live with people for however long, whether it's, you know, two years, five years, 20, whatever it was, fine. But marriage, mm-mm. marriage and children, not my cup of tea, it's always. <laughs> and that's all I wanted to bring up. Internet rumors are in it. It's in one Wikipedia and all that stuff. It's wrong. Jeez, they were never married. <laughs> never, never, never. But we were together. I mean, it, we were we were a serious team for a while. He was actually a fantastic, he did not particularly like acting. He really didn't like it. But he was a fabulous photographer. Really fabulous. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he was really good. Really good. We did a lot of really fun things together. Yeah, I never never knew he was a photographer until until you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, he's brilliant. But what are your memories of one million years? BC, you know, because you got uh, to work with Ray Harryhausen, you got to work with Raquel Welch, uh, mm. Michael Carreras. Mm. I mean, tons of people. <laughs> okay, so Michael Carreras. Basically, I tried to get out of going doing One Million Years BC because I had I had an inkling that if I met John Richardson. He would change my life. I'd fall in love and he'd change my life. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to change my life. I was having the best time of my 60s. And I was my own person. And we had a, women had freedom. I was not interested in really kind of, you know, getting married and doing all that stuff. But I tried to get out of it. And Hammer said, no, you can't. You, you're you going to be, we'll sue you. So I thought, oh, oh dear. Well, you know, I'm just a little person. Yeah, as actress, there's no way that I, I've got to do it. So when I arrived, they had already gone to, uh, they were already in Lanzarote. They'd re- already been shooting for a week. So when I arrived, Michael Carreras met me and said, so you're here. I said, yes, I'm here. And there was not, we didn't say much, but I mean, it was like, you tried to get out of this? Well, you weren't going to get out of this. And actually, because for some reason, we kind of giggled and we became best friends. Michael Curtis was one of my dearest, dearest, sweetest, hilarious, fabulous friends. And um, so when we got to, because we're actually about to fly to, where did we go after that? They were in Tenerife, and then we went to Lanzarote. And we flew in this little tiny little thing that shook, and they sort of like, you know, spanners in the, in, in the doors. Anyway, we went to Lanzarote, and when we got to Lanzarote, I mean, within two days, John and I were together. That was it. The end of my, that's the end of that life, gone. And within about a few days, Michael Carrera says to me, I want you to be my queen. And I went, ew, that sounds like a good idea. What does that mean? He said, well, I've written this script. He said, I'm going to direct this film. 
right after this one. And um, and I want you to be, I said, well, I'll be, and literally, this is within a week of meeting this man, right? We are already best friends. And he said to me, he said, well, I said, well, there's one thing. I said, I want to be able to wear makeup because on this one, I'm not wearing any makeup. Raquel was wearing makeup, but I can wear it. I said, and I want to wear, wear makeup and I want all new leather bikini. He said, done deal. <laughs> and that's what that's how prehistoric the great the great movie of the prehistoric came about <laughs> but also before that working with I, I fell madly in love with Harryhausen Ray Harryhausen oh my god ah oh, I just adore. I just wanted to sit at his feet and hear stories really I mean I just adored him and it went on on and off I mean, I even saw him after going, being in America for many, many years and coming back to London. Somehow we got in touch and we hung out together. And, I, you know, I don't know. There's something, there was something really, really special, very special about him and his family, actually. So there is, that's it. One Million Years BC was the most amazing. Raquel, well, I wouldn't call her a sister, but she was never, she was fine. And actually, I kind of felt for her because she was forced to do this film against her wishes, really. She was on the contract, mm. you know, basically a slave. Um, so I kind of felt for her because she was sort of, she was pushed in that direction of, you know, tits and off, basically. You know, I was, but I didn't care. But she sort of, you know, she wanted, it, it, it was difficult, it was difficult. Um, but she, I didn't, I didn't dislike her. I just, I felt for her, but yeah. we weren't best friends. Let's put it that way, because I was too busy being friends, being in love, <laughs> being in love. You had a lot of things going on, you know, um, outside exactly, of the film. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And I will say that I remember when I was rewatching this again and I messaged um, Joshua Kennedy, I said, I said, you were cheated in the fight. It, it was, I said, it's rigged. It, it, there's no way in the world you would have lost that fight, you know. <laughs> that was filmed in one million years BC. I'm like, she should have won. It was, it was, you know. <laughs> the fix was in. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, in prehistoric women, you you actually won a lot of fights in that one. So it's like it's like, all right. Oh, I was just. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, really? I mean, just. <clears throat> I mean, it is it is one of the worst films ever made. But some of the lines are really interesting, you know, because it's sort of where my head was at at the time. It, I mean, basically, I was a feminist without even knowing what that meant. So all of this thing about, you know, you will not, all of these lines that sort of, you will not dominate me and, you know, how dare you and all this stuff. I mean, that was, that, a lot of that stuff was for real for me. So, of course, that's why, I suppose, that's why the film became a cult classic because I actually went into it really feeling, saying how I felt. Yeah, I also like the part where your character at one time was the slave 
and then rises up to the top, you know, the heap. It's over in the back in the backstory of your character. And it's just, there's a lot of things besides, as you said, the female empowerment, but there's also um, deep how the inequities can be changed. And then, but sometimes if, if not changed correctly can lead back to more inequities and so on and so on. Yeah. I mean, and, and one of the, and one of the, my favorite lines was, you know, he, I am so, I'm really cruel. And, you know, and the guy who I'm trying to get to bed me, <laughs> so he, he actually says, what made you so cruel? And I went, cruelty has made me cruel. That, and that was the truth, because basically I was a slave before. So, you know, up yours, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 yeah. So some of the lines were really interesting. And this, of course, was, and oh, God, oh, Michael and I had so much fun on it. I mean, really. I mean, and every now and again, he'd say, right, now what we have to do is this. And there was so much sort of, like, pounding things. And, you know, I mean, it was very sort of uh, sexual in a way. Right? And we and we did, and we knew that, you know, we were doing some of this stuff. And we giggled. Oh, my God. We just, uh, I said, no. I said, no, Michael. And he goes, Marty, just do it. I said, oh, okay. the one advantage this this movie has over one million years bc i think is is you and michael latimer get to actually speak in a language that everybody understands where one million years bc (laughs) you know who knows what you guys are saying (laughs) we sat around and made up these words by the way but i mean like kill you know what was the word for kill Malik, I can't remember what it was, but we sat up, we all sat around and made up these words that somehow, you know, we could, you know, communicate. Actually, actually, in, in one million years, I mean, in prehistoric women, it was quite hysterical because or especially the blondies, everybody's face with this lovely accent. We were all so lovely. Just came right out of acting school. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, prehistoric women, but ill. We were so proper. So proper. I mean, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I will say, I saw it for the first time in prepping for your interview, and I was just like, it, it was interesting because there, there's parts of it you can just, you, it just brings a smile to your face. But like we said, there's, there's deeper meaning to the movie, but it's just, it's, it, it's, 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 it's interesting. It, it's listeners. It's an interesting movie to watch. You got it. You got to be in the right frame uh, of it, mind. <laughs> oh God. Yes. Yes. I mean, you have, I mean, I once had, I mean, I, I had a, an original 35 mil, um, what do you call it? Film. And I showed it, a friend of mine had, you know, had access to a studio in, in L.A. And so we put on this whole thing and all my friends came in and we all had drinks and stuff to eat and smoking and carrying on. And we played this. And what was hilarious was every time there was a dance, oh, we were all going, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And just making total fun of the whole thing. But, you know, that's what it was. It was best for me. Anyway. 
It's a fun <laughs> film. It's a fun film to watch. <laughs> it is. It is. Now, totally different in contrast in everything is your your final Hammer film, Doctor Jekyll and Sister Hyde. You talk about um, going from fun and lighthearted type thing to uh, more of a, a serious horror type film. Mm. Yeah. And, and actually when I heard, first of all, I was living in America and I'd only come in for a holiday and I was kind of like hanging out and I went to see a friend of mine who was my old agent and I went in, it was Willie Morris and I wasn't with Willie Morris anymore, but I went in to see them and they, and I said, well, hi, how are you? Hello, hello, everybody. And my agent at the time, I forgot his name actually. He said, oh my God. He said, Ham was looking for you. I said, he said for, for what? You know, he said, well, they're going to do Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. Well, I started laughing. I said, don't be silly. You mean he's going to turn into her? And he said, yes. I said, Ham, I just started laughing. He said, no, I'm ser- they're serious. They have been trying to find someone who took it the bill. And I said, well, okay. Maybe I should go and see Michael. So that's what happened. I mean, that's how it started. Mm-hmm. And when I went in and I met everyone, I mean, I did I, I did start thinking, this is really funny. But then I got script because, of course, it was, you know, um, Ian. Oh, my God, I forgot his name. My darling friend, another friend, another beautiful friend, the writer. Oh, the writer. Oh. Hold on. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That one. And who I loved, adored. And when I read the script, I thought, oh, hang on a minute. Hmm, we can do something. Brian Clemens. That's the name. Thank you so much, Brian Clemens. A lovely, divine, hilarious, again, just a sense of humor. It was Brian, Michael, Jimmy Sangster, all of those three had the most hysterical sense of humor ever. I mean, it was just brilliant. And and so Brian and I were just like, oh, I like this. I like this. And it suddenly occurred to me that, you know, and in fact, I said to the direct, director who was... Um, Oh my God, I forgot his name too. Uh, Roy Ward Baker. Roy Ward Baker, right. Roy, and I said, you know, I said, thing is that, you know, there's always male and female in all of us. So maybe we can try and, you know, kind of check out how we can do this. You know, really kind of the, the confusion of between the male and female. And I mean, I actually said to him, I said, you know, let's see if we can explore this. And of course he didn't, and it wasn't until many years later when we were doing one of those, you know, things that you do with the DVD, the extras. Mm-hmm. And he turned to me and he said, you know, he said, you were right. He said, we should have really explored it more. And I went, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you don't see it at the time and then you see it later on and, uh, you know, that's just well, the way it we is. did actually. There was there were moments of confusion between the male and female, but it could have been much more. And it's interesting because look at what's happening today. Mm-hmm. A lot of confusion. <laughs> yeah, I think in in the movie Ralph Bates's character, 
you know, being Dr. Jekyll has more to confusion showing in the, in the film than your character, your character, I don't think is ever really confused. I mean, you, you, you know what you want and are the driving force. Mm-hmm. Well, we could have done, we could have done more, we could, but it doesn't matter. What's interesting is that I've just heard that Eddie Izzard is about to play Dr. Jekyll as a female. Now, what is interesting, they've mentioned all sorts of Dr. Jekyll and, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They never mentioned Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So that was quite interesting, given that he's about to play this, this Dr. Nina Jekyll, who is actually a woman. So he's playing a woman. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how this is going to work, <laughs> but it's going to be interesting. So. Oh, one of those things we'll find out when we see it. Yeah, exactly. I like Eddie Izzard. He's really terrific. I like him very much. So we'll see. But it was it was a very interesting film to do. It was a really interesting film, and probably one of my most beautiful. I mean, it was like I was in my I was in my beauty time, my most beautiful at the moment at the time. I was hot, honey. <laughs> well, you you definitely in were. You were, you were. You were. You had those red um, dresses on. Or I mean, nobody can pull off wearing a curtain and making it look mm-hmm. like you do. <laughs> <laughs> and also the other thing too is that they were really good with all the you know with all the clothes were made for me I mean we it was specifically um, you know designed for me so it was it, it really made a difference really made a difference it was really terrific I mean it's 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 one of those films I've, I've, I've every I watch it every few years and it's just I enjoy it so much and it's just it's just a nice film there and what was it like working with Ralph Bates who died so tragically young I know I loved him he was really great he was really great and we had I mean again where we're sort of because we shared our bodies we had to share our bodies it was it was kind of very personal but you know he met his future wife he actually killed his future wife in the film <laughs> what a way to meet your wife <laughs> <laughs> he, he he actually met, he was he was married, but he met his future wife. He, she was one of the one of the the cast, one of the whores that he killed, mm-hmm. that he killed, and she became his wife and was with him for and and I see her every now and again and she's gorgeous, Virginia Virginia Weatherall, the name, she's fabulous. Um, but we were you know sharing. Our bodies, I mean, you know, we had to kind of touch each other in sort of like, you know, specific ways and discover each other. So it was really interesting to do. He was lovely. He was a lovely man and he was a really, he was a terrific actor to work with, really. And it was interesting because we really didn't look, if you take each part of our face, we really didn't look the same. But because we were working together, it's that thing, you know, you know, you start to look like your dog. <laughs> you know, we started to look. I mean, we we just kind of because we we're hanging out together and we we're working together so closely. I think we just started to look 
like each other, except that we, if you take it specifically, we weren't. We didn't have the same nose, we didn't have the same eyes, we didn't have nothing, you know, but it all came together. It was really interesting, really interesting. I actually really liked doing that film. And I did and nicely, very nicely, I won um, an award in Paris for it. Unfortunately, it's, the award was left behind in Rome, and I have no idea where it is. Mm. Now, there's a friend of mine who loves Hammer films. His name is Alistair and, and um, from New Zealand. He he wanted me, he, when he heard I was going to be interviewing you, interviewing you, he asked me to ask you one particular question. And okay. When, um, in Dr. Jekyll's sister Hyde, when you're doing the initial transformation, when he was going from him to you, and you guys are looking in the, like the mirror, he, you know, how was it done? Because it looked so seamless. Like, were you, you know, like, cause it-, it was, do you know, I don't know how he did it. That was one of the most brilliant scenes that Roy Wardbaker did it was absolutely brilliant. And it was like, I mean, going, wow, that's really, <clears throat> because none of, none of us moved. He moved the camera around. I, I mean, I still don't know how it was done. I don't ask me. I know nothing, but it was actually, but I was really awestruck at that. I think all of us were like, wow, that was, that's a fantastic scene. Really, really good. It is amazing. I'm sorry. I can't answer it. (laughs) Well, he wasn't sure if you'd be able to answer it or not anyway. He was just like, you always hope he's like, Ask, could you ask the question because it's he's always been dying to know, and I guess I'll just tell him well, you're gonna have to wait <laughs> to find out. Yeah, no, it was really good. It was fantastic. It was a fabulous, just brilliant shot. Brilliant. Now, interesting. There's there's two movies I wanted to bring up before we get to House of the Gorgon that mm-hmm. are totally different. That I, I never saw again until prepping for your interview, and one of them was Seizure with. Um, directed by Oliver Stone in his first time directing with Jonathan mm-hmm. Fred and that kind of stuff. And you got to play, I guess, the, like the queen, the queen of, of evil, evil. The, which is. Yeah. And it should have been, I don't know why they changed it. It should have been, that's the title that it should have been instead of seizure. Ridiculous title. I watched the film and I, I've still, have, uh, I was trying to, people said, why is it called seizure? I said, I don't know. Well, it's seizure because he gets he has a seizure, you know, and who cares? You know, the Queen of Evil is much more much more fun. <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. I think I think it would I think it would be more well known if it was called Queen of Evil because a lot of people when I said exactly. I'm seizure, they don't know what they don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, the only thing is that he's trying to he's been trying to bury this film for years because you know it's not up to par of his more you know his Oscar award winning films. But for me, I mean, I saw really genius at that point. And all of us were really involved in, in making it because we all kind of, this is somebody who we'd never, this is somebody who'd never directed before. And all of us who had done work and, you know, been around for a while, were really, I mean, in awe of him. Just, wow, this guy, this guy's got something. Mm-hmm. So we all recognize that. We did. And it was a fantastic, I mean, it was what a cast. I mean, full of mad, oh, 
God, mad dramas that went on because we all lived together in this house. And we shot, we lived in a house in the Laurentian Mountains in Canada. And we shot in the house in each, everybody had literally all the bedrooms were shot at, or every part of the house was used as a set. And it was, it was, it was utterly mad and crazy and brilliant. It was as mad behind the scenes as it was on the set, on the, in the film. It was unbelievable. chase. Oh. <laughs> you, you went right to words I was going to ask you about. What was it? Because I've heard stories of working with Hervé and it's just that he is, that he is probably one of the ultimate characters in real life. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and he actually, the thing is that he took advantage of the fact that he's he's little, but he's, he also is a total, he's really, he's a man. He's a gentleman. He knows stuff. I mean, he likes the best wine. He likes the best cigars. He dresses beautifully. I mean, he is, he was some pretty hot man. And so he took advantage of that because what we, we, we allowed him, particularly Mary, 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 Warren and I, and he would come and sit on our lap and we'd hug and kiss and carry on. I mean, he got away with murder, but we loved him. We adored him, but he was just, <laughs> and he and he and Oliver were best friends, became best friends. I mean, it's just, it was it was an incredible shoot. I mean, Lord knows, <laughs> just <laughs> insanity, such insanity. And what was it like working with Mary? Because I mean, she, I've seen her in so many films. Oh, I loved I her. Love I, I've known her. I knew her before the film. I'd met her before, long before. We were friends, actually. So it was really it was easy, you know. Another sister. Mm-hmm. Now, Jonathan Frey, this is, of course, post-Dark Shadows, and he's, you know, and, and, and that kind of stuff. What, what was it like for him and you, like, you know, working in the film? Because he can't, it's, it's his movie, basically. He's through the movie. You're, you're the main antagonist, and he's, mm-hmm. you know, like he's the protagonist, or, you know. What was it like for Well, Jonathan? he's, I mean, actually, what is the, 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 the thing that I remember most of all is that, <clears throat> He was in the in the main. He had the main bedroom, which a lot of the stuff was shot in. And so, and I, all of us had, you know, our own bedroom. And in, and so, of course, all the cameras and the equipment were in all the rooms. And he would wake up and he would complain. He said, "But I, I didn't sign up to have all the cameras in my bedroom." And he would like bitch and moan about it. And we'd all sort of have a bitch and a moan about it. But it was, I don't know, he was, we actually had a, we had a, we had a laugh. We had to have a laugh because it really was quite mad, quite mad. I mean, having all the cameras and then, of course, the other thing too, because it's not a studio, it's a house. When whatever scene we were shooting, everybody had to be quiet. There's no going to the loo. There's no opening doors or walking about. So that was really, that was, that, that caused a bit of, you know, a bit of friction and laughter. 
So, but he was he was great. He was great. But he was but he did but he did he was, he was a bit grumpy. But I loved him because he was grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good I love a good a good grumper. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 amuse me. Grumpers. Now the funny thing was a few years later you do another movie, which is totally different than anything I've ever seen you do. You seem to be oh. having the time of your life in it. And and that's right, listeners. The happy hooker goes Hollywood. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. But the only trouble is that the, the, the producers were horrible people. I mean, and I, their names were, I can't remember their names, Golan Globus. And what's the other one called? And anyway, they were they were actually renowned shit, basically. They were just dreadful guys. Um, you know, you're lucky if you get paid. I mean, it's just really and it was just incredible. And I called them I, I, I had horrible names for them, really horrible names. But despite, and in fact, the script was originally, this guy had written quite a cute, fun script. And that was the whole point was, you know, you've got to make it, because this is a woman who actually existed. I mean, there's a happy hooker. Exist, I mean, this is like now the third film mm-hmm. that's being done about her. Unfortunately, I didn't get to meet her because it would have been really fun to meet her. So, I mean, this is about a real person. So. The script was very sort of cute and fun and, you know, and naughty. And unfortunately, they decided that they were going to put some porn in it. And, you know, there are scenes that there are people sort of like swimming about in, in pools and, you know, and kissing and hugging. Well, they, they had people, you know, actually at it in the pools. And I got completely furious and said, you know, and I literally threatened to throw the the cameras into the pool if they didn't stop. And so there was a whole issue and scandal where they took, tried to take me to SAG and I told SAG what they were doing and so they shut up and I got away with it. You know, but I mean, it was just amazing. But, it, it you know, it kind of, and of course, and Batman was my leading man. <laughs> <laughs> Adam West and I, Adam, actually, Adam was very funny. Actually, I mean, there were times when we had to make, they do these love scenes, these sex scenes, and so we were dressed, but, you know, now we have to put the bodies really close together. And I remember one scene that we're doing, we're in this little tiny bedroom, and there's, it's supposed to be a closed set, and they're hanging from the fucking rafters, right? So, he, <laughs> he took, as he's sort of lying on top of them, I mean, he turns to me and he says, I don't know what my fans are going to say. I said, your fans? What about mine? What are they going to think that we're doing? And that, we started laughing. <laughs> 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 because here we are trying to have this mad, wild, passionate sex scene. And all two of us are worrying about what, what our fans were going to think of us at this point. Because we're sort of, you know, our fans love us for who we are, not for this sex mania. These sex mania. 
So yeah, that was quite funny. That was very funny. And also, um, there was a very funny moment which had me, and still, I still laugh when I see the scene where I, 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 you know, re, re revenge on him. Mm-hmm. And what's his name? Richard Deacon. Oh my God, Richard Deacon, hysterical. Absolutely, he was hilarious. And the two of them are dressed in drag. And I am. I, I am literally, I can hardly keep, stop laughing. <laughs> that, that was, that was, I mean, that was hilarious. Cause you, you set them up and then, and then you take away all their clothes and everything. It was just, it, uh, it was, and they had to walk out of women's clothes. Was, and you, you handpicked their wardrobes ahead of time. It was funny. <laughs> I, it was hilarious because the thing is, Richard Deacon, he can't stand, is going to be an ugly, you know, very ugly drag queen. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but of course, we started teasing Adam, saying, "I'm sorry, you seem to know how to walk in high heels." <laughs> I said, uh-huh. I mean, there was all of that going on. I mean, it was just hilarious. It was every time I, any time I see it, if somebody wants to see it, and I look at it, it still makes me laugh. It still makes me laugh. It's just brilliant. The two of them, the two of them together, were just fabulous. It was it was funny, and and the producers' names were uh, Yoram Globus and Menahem Golan. Menahem Golan and Yoram Globus. So I call them Urin and Mayhem. Well, I mean, so it, I gave them a name. I knew Urin and Mayhem. I knew when I saw it was a Canon film, I was thinking that this is going. This is an interesting product, you know, because Canon is known as an interesting production company. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was urine and mayhem, my favorite people. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that takes us to you—you you retired and you came back for House of the Gorgon because of Joshua Kennedy, and you two met. I think at the Mid Atlantic Nostalgia Convention around here in Maryland, the one I met, uh, I met you at, but it was a couple of years prior. And you guys, I'll let you tell the story about how he um, wooed you back into the limelight, so to speak. All right, so this is going to be our so this is going to be our tie-up here. Um, Tammy, who's my my darling sister, I mean a couple. Caroline, Tammy, they're all, these are my, this is my family, you know? And uh, we're, we're literally, you know, attached, totally attached. And Tammy says to me, because she's always there and I love her. Oh my God, I love, I love them. And she says, there's this young man, and he was 19 at the time. She says, there's this young man who really wants to do uh, some videos with you. And, I said, and of course, you know, I mean, I'm so, I mean, Sometimes I get so tired of having to do stuff. I just went, oh, God, not another one, darling. I, I moaned, you know, I moaned as opposed to grump. And he said, no, no. I she, she said, she said, I think you really like each other. She said, I think you should really meet him because he's lovely. And I said, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So when we meet and we start doing this, first video that's it I am his, uh, first of all I'm laughing hysterically because he's so silly and also I we connect we connect 
And from that moment on, every time he, we got to a convention, he would come up, come up with another idea for another video. So I think we made, I think we made five or six. And the last one we did, we had Tammy and Caroline in it. And we could hardly do it because we were laughing so hard. <laughs> it was just, and, and that's the whole point. I mean, that's the other thing. So, and then after that, then he wrote this thing and said, well, okay, so there's, you know, how's the going? And I went, oh, you mean I have to come out of, out of retirement? I moaned. But it only <laughs> lasted about one second. I said, oh, all right, because now, because I'm with my, you know, I'm with my family. Mm -hmm. And it was so heavenly to shoot. I mean, to be with him, I mean, first of all, because we're really, I mean, he's he really, he's, you know, he's come and visited me many times. And we are actually at the point where we'll get up in the morning. I said, well, good morning, my darling. Mm -hmm. So what do you want for breakfast? And we sit at breakfast and we sit there and we just, you know, take care of all the issues in the world. Well, you know, five minutes and then we're just like, you know, chatting and carrying on. It really is. We are really like an American couple. It is hysterical. Absolutely hysterical. Um, but it was, it was one of the most lovely because no matter who was working, all of us were right there with everyone. I mean, it was we, we were literally attached to each other. It was the most wonderful and supportive and loving. And it was like, I mean, it was just like, oh, my God. Oh, that's so fabulous. And we kind of like, oh, my God, that's so wonderful. I mean, we were like a bunch of children having the best time ever. And he created that. And his whole thing was, every time things would kind of get a little bit, we didn't have the time, you'd go, we have oceans of time. And we just, just go, okay. <laughs> it was just heavenly. I mean, really wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. And all of us just loved being together and loved the way he kind of, you know, put us all together and held us all together. It was just, it was a lovely, lovely experience. And I, I mean, afterwards I said, well, I, this is the only person I want to work with now. I mean, somebody just, in fact, I had a girlfriend staying with me this weekend and she's, you know, she's an actress and she was going up for a lot of interviews and she said, listen, she said, my, you know, my agent has all these things for, you know, 70 year olds and 80 year olds. Don't you want to do it? I said, no, sorry. I don't want to go mainstream at all. If I'm going to do anything, I'm doing it with my husband. And so there it is. And I think it's like you said, when you're, when you're enjoying what you're doing, when you're having that fun, it's, it's, you're, it's like revisiting family. Everybody's getting together and, and you, you do your work, but you're having fun at the same time, you know, with, with Caroline Monroe, with Josh, you know, with the, Caroline's daughter, Georgina Dugdale, and all that. It's just, it's, you, you, you can't, you can't call it work. I mean, it, it is work, but it's still, it sounds like it's so much fun. But that was together. the whole thing. That's the whole thing about actually my career, because all of my career, no matter how 
hard I worked, and sometimes I worked like really. I did one. I did. There was one a Twilight Zone that I did, and we did it. We shot for twenty four hours, and we were like all of us were like standing like zombies, like half asleep, and they kind of like push us, and we go, oh, okay, 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 right. Where are we going? Where do I? What do I do now? <laughs> it was just, it was unbelievable. I don't know why we had to do it that way, but we did. But I mean, but also, I mean, and it, it's quite. I mean, doing million was really hard work too because it was very physical, and and wet and cold and and rain and biting and mud and you know, there's a lot of stuff, lot of hard work, but. There was a lot of fun. And if I can't have, and I've said this many times in interviews, if I'm not having fun, I am not interested. I don't want to know. I have to have, I don't care how hard I work. It could be just brutal, but as long as I have fun, I'll do anything. Now, there's one person I didn't mention in the cast, and that is Veronica Carlson, who you got to work with oh. for, for the first time. Oh. And for listeners, we're recording this interview the day after um, Veronica's untimely passing. And um, it's just our condolences to her family and friends. She was a wonderful person. I got to meet her and interview her, and it's just, she's a joy. I, I didn't know what thoughts you have of Miss Carlson. Exactly that. She was the sweetest. I mean, every time we saw each other, we went, oh, Veronica, we'd hug and kiss, and it would be also, it was, it, we just loved each other. It wasn't, <coughs> sorry, it wasn't that I was going to, we were going to, because she lived in, you know, South Carolina, I lived in, <coughs> I lived in California or London, so we weren't exactly going to be seeing each other all the time, but when we did see each other, it was an utter and complete loving, utter joy. She, I mean, and we'd go, and we knew, and we'd go, oh, oh, Veronica's going to be there. Oh, I can hardly wait. Oh, I can hardly wait. You know, that's, that's the truth. So we all, we love her. We love her to pieces. Really love her. Sweetest, sweetest, and fun, and fun, of course. When she was at, I mean, she'd be at Monster Bash. She would take up residence as being like the the queen of the bash, as I always like to call it. You know, it's it's like she's holding court, and she would be so generous with her time with everybody, and then just all 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 day. I mean, it, she was everywhere. She seemed to be everywhere at all times. I don't know how she did it, um, but I know it was amazing, amazing she's, woman. Just lovely, just lovely. She'll be missed terribly, really terribly. And the only thing I'm, I'm going to ask you was, you play evil so well. Mm, and, I did. I loved it. And you loved it. And what roles did you want to play that they never came up to you that you would have been like, oh, darling, that should have been me. <laughs> When I did, there was, I did, there were a couple that I wanted to do. And the one, the, the biggest one, actually, I always wanted to be on Star Trek. And I went up many times for it and I never got it. I mean, it was, 
I was beaten out by my other English friends because they had bigger names, literally. You know. Um, but there was the one thing was Excalibur. Mm, I love Excalibur. One of my favorite films. I mean, and it was for oh, what's her name? Would it be Morgana? The exactly. I wanted to because Morgana is like. I mean, I have read many books, and I have one particular book that I've read that I literally Morgana for me or Morgane in some of the books is just brilliant. Oh, I loved it. I loved the whole story. I loved the whole backstory. I, I loved it. And I really, that one, because she was more than, she wasn't really evil, but she would do things that were not up to par. I mean, I loved her. And, and in fact, I did meet Helen Mirren, who played it. And I said to her, I said, you know, that was one that I would love to have done. I said, but you did it really well. <laughs> really well and the other one that I wanted to do was um, uh, Superman I wanted to do I, I wanted to do um, Lois I wanted to be her I wanted to be the one that he fell in love with and, and do with <laughs> I had a few that I liked but I mean it was I think that's probably Excalibur was one of the big ones for me yeah. yeah, I could I could see you in that role. I could see you, uh, you playing so many different characters because you you do it so well, and it's, and you seem to re you don't mind playing the baddie. You play you've played goodies, but you seem to relish playing the baddies, and you play them in a way where they're not always like just dead set evil. They they seem to have you know no. nuance, and oh, that's why no. I love, that's why I think what's best about the best evil characters is they're not played over the top. You played right. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was always that other little little twist. Um, <clears throat> and it, frankly, I mean, play a good person, oh, that's so boring. First of all, because, you know, usually if you play a good person, usually you have to end up, you know, weeping. I like to laugh a lot, but I don't like to weep a lot. So I wasn't very good at crying. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, and that's actually as simple as that. I didn't, I, I, I wasn't very good at crying. I was much better at laughing. <laughs> and, and you have that delicious laugh when you, when, when you're watching somebody, you know, suffer their miseries in the film, you know, it's just that, that look in the laugh. It's, you don't want to crawl. <laughs> no, I don't th I think people are still scared when they meet you, like they're going to cross you and have something bad happen to them. But you are actually one of the nicest people to meet in real life. <laughs> Well, thank you. I mean, I think that's what kept me off the casting couch is because there was part of me that was like, I'm sorry, I'm going to swear now. Don't fuck with me. I mean, I had that, I had that energy around me. And I think that that saved me from any kind of, you know, you know, pull you, you know, let's take your clothes off and have you. No, 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 no. I only have you if I want you. That's it. Boom. <laughs> oh, I agree. I agree. I don't think anybody can force you to do what you don't want to do. <laughs> no, no. No. Battling Beswick was about right. 
And I'm looking forward to more of your work with Josh. I know you've done some voiceover work for a couple of his films, like Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls, and his one that's coming out, um, Saturnalia, um, where you're doing some voiceover work for that. I haven't heard it yet, but I I heard, you know, so you you seem to always still be doing stuff for your husband, so to speak. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I love, just because I love working with him, because the thing is that we've got, just got a, we've got, we've, we've got a special, Attachment, we do. We have a real connection, a real connection. And Tammy was right. She was absolutely right. She got it. And all of us, and the problem is now, is that we're all attached to it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a wonderful so, person. Yeah. But I want to thank you. Uh, you are so welcome, Steve. You are so welcome. That is really, it's been, it's been fun. It's been fun chatting with you um and you know i've had the joy is mine i mean because i've I've been looking forward to talking with you for a while where to to sit down and have a an interview where where you're allowed time to breathe and let yourself talk about the different things you want to talk about thank you thank you it has been fun it's been actually fun keyword in my life fun all right thank you if i don't have fun if I'm not having any fun, then I'm going to be a very miserable person. So I do. I don't like misery. I don't like misery. I am not. I can't get bored. I don't get bored. I don't like misery. Nah. <laughs> fun. And listeners, what keyword in life? And listeners, what can I tell you? After this episode, go do right? something that's fun. I mean, that, I think that's the that's the word of the day. Do something that's fun. Enjoy life. Find something that's fun out there to do and do it. Always, always, always. I hope everybody enjoyed the interview. I uh, just want to remind everybody that if you want to hear more about the films that Martine was in, on Hammerama, episode number three, we talked about One Million Years B.C. and Hammerama 4, which will be coming out later in June. We'll be talking about Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. And for those that are unfamiliar with Hammerama, we're going to listen to the promo for it and end the episode. I'm Al from New Zealand. And I'm Stephen from Maryland, USA. We are Hemorama. Welcome to our new podcast, Enter Freely. And of your own will. Part of the multi-award-nominated Diecast Movie Podcast, Hammerama is a wide look at the world of hammer horror from either side of the globe. Each month, we will throw a die to decide which category from the film vault of Hammer we are going to discuss. The Dracula, Frankenstein, or Mummy Cycles, science fiction, prehistory, or the experimental 1970s. We will cast our international eyes across, then and now, reviews of the movie. Its place in the Hammerverse. Our encounters with the stars. A film poster critique and unusual associated merchandise. So join us for our bite-sized discussion of Hammer's gory glories, stitched together from both ends of the earth. Hammerama is a proud part of the Diecast Movie Podcast.